That's some sensational catch. Absolutely brilliant from Hooper. Was hit back firmly by Maiello. Hammered down the ground. It could fly all the way for a maximum. It's going to soar into the sky. That's the six they needed. That's 50 for Forbrush. What a knock that is from him. Outstanding striking. And that six brings Guernsey back into the game. Could be a catch. Oh. What a catch. One-handed grab. And that's Josh Butler, the captain. Oh, my days. We have been treated to some catches in this tournament. Welcome to Guernsey Cricket's podcast. I'm Ben Furbrush, Cricket Development Manager. And on this podcast, we're going to be chatting to players old and new, coaches, administrators, and hopefully a few other cricketing keen beans along the way. On today's podcast, we have one of Guernsey's finest spinners who played across four decades, a real stalwart for Guernsey cricket, Gary Rich. It's amazing I've managed to get the old boy on a computer. Absolutely, mate. I'm with technology. I'm moving fast. <laughs> um, up with you, kids. Welcome to the podcast, Gary Rich, one of Guernsey's finest spinners, who has managed to actually play across four decades, which in itself is a very impressive stat. So for the last eight weeks, we've been in lockdown here in Guernsey. It looks like, as we now have no active cases, we'll be slowly getting back to normal. How's it been for you and what have you been up to? Yeah, like everyone, probably been a bit frustrated. You can't get on with everyday life, work, uh, etc. Especially me being self-employed, I can't go and work in people's houses, but um, kept busy around the house and my, my build as well, so uh, kept you know, kept pretty pretty busy. Um, trying to stay a bit fit, going out with cycle rides with the girls. They can ride a lot quicker than me these days, so uh, <laughs> they keep me on my toes. <laughs> <laughs> and they're good to hear. Um, to start with, if we go sort of right back to the start, uh, how did cricket all start out for you? Have you got any sort of strong memories from back then? My dad played cricket, sort of lower league stuff. He, he worked at Guernsey Electricity, so they had a a team there, like they had quite a few different types of sports. They had cricket, they had, you know, uh, football, table tennis, but he really started cricket there. And then I sort of just, just sort of played my dad, sort of in, in, typically in the backyard, really, and in the yard, just dragged him out after tea. Probably didn't really want to do it, but I dragged him out there as a, a nipper from very young age. Then moving forward, um, was it at school? Bow camp wasn't. Uh, really played much but I was lucky that my school teacher was uh, was sports master was uh, Brian Preston who played cricket for Pessimus and he played for Guernsey as well so I was even keen to get cricket uh, in, the, in the school so really thanks to him really that he sort of pushed me on there and then um, moved from school cricket signed on for Cobos my Cobos old boys Barry Lalasha actually knocked on my door and said who are you playing cricket for and I said well I haven't got anybody, any team, or hadn't thought of any team yet. And uh, he signed me on for Cobra, so I probably ended up with Pessimus. I'm surprised Brian Preston didn't try and nab me. Basically, that was where my cricket started, playing for Cobo. Playing as a 15-year-old in C division. And sort of, at that time, there was no um, sort of age group uh, like there is now. You sort of play junior cricket. It was like you were, you were a nipper and you were chucked in with a, sort, of, sort of the older boys that... Uh, older players that sort of helped you along really but you were given opportunities in the in, the, in those sort of sides they batted you high up the order they wanted to get you involved and that's where I sort of first started my 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 time really which was quite I think quite a good thing really because you were playing against men as a as a as a boy you know so you got to sort of you matured quite quickly and uh and they, they weren't really holding back but the, the standard was still good enough for you to grow up and learn stuff from and then just moved up into Kobo B and then to Kobo A as, as a, a youngster. 
Yeah, so you mentioned there, obviously, you were at Bowcamp School. Elizabeth College has obviously always been sort of like the prominent cricket school. Um, was it yeah. very much the same back then as, as well? You know, they had a cricket master and they were still the leading school in cricket? Yeah, that's really college were the leading school in the cricket. I mean, you know, they're decent masters and uh, uh, Roussel, Robin, you know, Rob Winston, then Mike Kinder, obviously. You know, more modern day guys are coming in, but, but grammar, uh, grammar were not a bad side either. And Bowcamp and the secondary schools weren't really looked at then. But right. we had a, in those days, oh, year four, uh, with the uh, secondary schools for Bowcamp, we won that. And that was the only time really that played in some sort of schools tournament. I guess after that, the next age group thing, there was an under 23s, which was uh, around for a few years. Yeah. Um, that was the only sort of cricket inter inter Ireland tournament there was the under twenty threes played in a few of those and then they brought it to twenty ones and then obviously things moved forward on the under nineteens and all the age groups came in. But there wasn't any junior cricket at such. There was I think under twenty threes there might have been a few trains at the college field which got you know went along to and mixed up with all the college boys really. Sort of a bit of fish out of water really. There wasn't yeah. many secondary guys around, you know, you were chucked in with those guys. Yeah, so looking back at sort of like the league structure then, you mentioned obviously going to play men's cricket. Um, what did the leagues look like back then? So, so now I think we're four divisions. Uh, the top division in even league consists of six to seven even league teams. Uh, and then weekend league cricket is across two divisions with the top one having sort of three teams. Uh, and then the, se- the second division is having a few more. What, was it even league as well as weekend league then? Or was it just weekend league cricket? There was, yeah, there was afternoon league cricket, but... Um... More even league to start with. Um, I think there was a. I think there was only one league in the afternoon league in those days. It wasn't. It was only one one main league. It was more. Right. In those days, it was more even league cricket. That was the main one to win. Um, that was like the even league. The twenty. You know, the even league cricket uh, championship was the one everybody wanted to win. The afternoon league wasn't so important really. But there was afternoon league cricket. Even league cricket. There was something like seven divisions. You had sort of likes of there was Kobo. Kobo had a D side at one stage. Pessimist had a D side, and there was a lot of a lot of firms that had sides in like Electrics and Larish and I don't know if they were playing when I was playing, but there seemed to be a lot of more work sides yeah. around divisions in you know and teams in. Was uh, that all, after, was that all played on matting then, or was that then on grass? All on matting, basically. It was all on matting. There was the only grass wickets in the island were. College field, MF, Barrandella, some some uh, some grass wickets, but you never really got to play them. Any you only ever got to play on them in for Ireland cricket, really. And it wasn't that long ago that you know you sort of played matting cricket all year round, and then go and play you know, on a on a grass wicket for the Ireland game, you know. But they did have a few other games that you you know when you went up training up the college field, you sort of played in the middle. In the middle, they had a bit of a... Yeah, and sort of on that, what, what formats was it? Was it more uh, just T20, uh, even league stuff? Um, even league stuff. Yeah, there's no restriction on bowling either. So you, you, get, you get sort of a, a team like, like Rovers in their day. They'd be on limited bowling, so they play like 20 overs. But it depends on the night. The captains really depends how many overs they want to play, you know. And uh, you get... I think most we ever played was 24 overs in an even league in, in the middle of the summer. But effectively, in those days, the bowlers could bowl 12 overs each if they wanted to. Yeah. And I know, sort of, 
in the early years where Rowe was doing so well, they had a couple of decent, you know, they had Mills in Dobbo, I think, in those days, were both sort of, say, 20 overs, 10 overs each, really. And no one else really got involved in the game. So it was a little bit of a, it was a test all the way through, really, for the, for the batsmen, really, because they were, they were tested all the way through from, from them too, really. Yeah, and then was that all played with a white ball or was that red ball evenly cricket? That was all red ball. And um, I was saying that two-piece ball as well. So it's a two-piece red king, which absolutely <laughs> swung round corners. So um, someone like Miles Dobson, that ball being Duckers, and Ricky Mill of left arm over to swing the ball round corners, you know. And it was, yeah. a, hard, it was a hard test, really. So... Uh, it's exaggerated swing to say the least until the shine sort of went off it and it wasn't easy so it was a good <clears throat> you had to be technically technically correct early doors yeah. you know w- was there fielding restrictions back then or was it just you know sort of you could field almost where you like I think so yeah there wasn't any uh, no, there wasn't any fielding restrictions uh, at all so it was a bit of a free-for-all really just and then how, how yeah. did you find so obviously it's, it's changed somewhat to now um, and we'll touch more on how it changed for you throughout, but how did you find it going from that sort of cricket? Then evenly became fielding restrictions, probably um, for an eye sort of started with the top division, uh, coloured clothing and white ball. How did you find that? Because obviously a, a red ball swings more, and I, I used to bowl uh, little medium paces uh, when you first started out. So how did you find that the change in, in the game from going from a, a red swinging ball to a white ball, which Realistically, when you probably get it in your hands, it, it, it's pretty gone. It, it doesn't really do much. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah, just in one way, it's sort of more skillful as a, as a bowler with a white ball. So you've got to rely on your, you know, different pace, flight and everything um, as a spinner um, compared to a red ball where you can, does swing a little bit, a little bit more. So it was quite a bit more of an adjustment and you have to be a little bit more um, disciplined, I would say. With a, with a white ball. Through club cricket, you obviously got and broke your way into the Guernsey side. How did you find that sort of breaking in from club cricket, the standard of club cricket in comparison to the standard of, of uh, island cricket? Obviously, back then, I don't know what your season consisted of, but was it probably just a one-off game against Jersey a season? Yeah, I think, I can't remember, my first year of 89 I played, but I can't remember if we had any warm-up games in those, in those days, to be honest. It was almost like, you sort of, I know the, I know the early days, it was sort of case you stopped up on the day, play jersey, and you walked in with your club kit and you sort of <laughs> playing against people. Not like now that you know through the squad and everybody in the arm. Especially, no, not in perhaps in 89, but before that, it was a case of walking the change room and you don't really know the other guy the other side of the room more than that. Yeah. You haven't played or met him that much. So, and you're going to go and play in the, you know, in the same team as him. So, it's a bit, a bit strange, really. Things have moved on a lot more now. It's a lot you know, easier more relaxed. I found it quite hard actually early days to sort of settle in to a to an Ireland team because you didn't you felt a bit of an outsider at first. Um, yeah, yeah. As things move forward, it's a lot, a lot bit more relaxing. No, definitely. Yeah. So you, you you said it there. You made your debut in nineteen eighty nine, uh, cap number one hundred and twenty two. Um, I was actually one at the time. So what were your memories of that first game? Yeah. Well, I was a. Uh, I was picked, but not as a batsman, I think. that I was bowling, but I'm a batter number six and uh, didn't score a few runs off a lot of balls. It's quite a nerve-wracking... It was quite a nervy time. I had to wait a few years to get in, into my... I think I was 25 on my debut. Sort of, it was hard, really hard to get, get in the Ireland team in those days, almost. 
once they had a sort of a settled eleven, it's sort of, it was hard to yeah. sort of break in. They had some decent players playing, you know. So um, remember for the day, was it Stuart Mackay scored a hundred? He's playing at college. He's had an amazing year that year. He scored hundreds against MCC Victoria College, and he was picked. He's only sort of eighteen, and he scored a hundred against Jersey. It was something amazing, really. Because nobody had ever got anywhere near scoring a hundred against Jersey. I mean. Ireland in those days, if you got over, if you got 200, that's a winning score virtually. You know, it was yeah. unheard of. I think we just got past that. Um, we won. It was a college field, so um, it's nice to play out there. But yeah, um, so uh, you mentioned there you're in as a batter. Um, you, you started out as an all-rounder, so I have mentioned it there. But why? Why did you change from a all-rounding um, seam bowler into a into a more of a specialist off spinner who, who could bat a bit? Because I was getting smashed around the park as a seamer. <laughs> <laughs> it was so easy bowling on that matting, military medium, and getting whacked. But really, it was like Mickey Fuchs actually knocked on my door and said, Look, he said, I mean, with Warren, sort of Warren Barrett and Ralph Anthony were the two spinners who doing you know, loads of wickets. And he said, With Warren retiring, I reckon you'd be better. Because I bowled, spin at, I bowled a bit, I toured around with a bit of spin. I bowled spin at school and mocked around the next bowl and a bit of spin. He says, I reckon you'd be better off as a spin bowler. If you, you know, you're going to get, if you want to sort of think about, you know, getting in the Ireland team, I think you're going to get more chance of getting selected as a pure spin bowler. And you've got your batting to bat, you know, you're backing, you know, your batting's good and scored loads of runs in those days. So if you was a spin bowler, you're more likely to get picked as a spin bowler, knowing that you can, as he was a selector at the time, I think it was a pretty good idea. I sort of took his advice, really. So I yeah, no, definitely. Went way in the nets and just worked up in spin bowling, which sort of came quite naturally to me, really. I guess sort bowling of, an arm ball came naturally as well, with it being. Yeah, that's uh, right. I think we. I think I took it up at perhaps ninety, but the end in ninety one, ninety two, and I played a TCA game at the KG five, and um, we were obviously playing Cobra. Mark Paul was his left arm over, and I in the bowling. I think he was captain of Cobra at the time. But we both opened the bowling in the evening league. I think Neil Hunter actually was captain of Cobra and. I mean, Paulie would open the bowling for Cobra and took, took loads of wickets. Yeah. Loads of wickets. And we played Jersey at the KG5. Damage was captain. Damage was captain. We, he said, well, it's worked for you guys opening the bowling for, for, uh, for Cobra. You both opened the bowling today against Jersey. So we both opened the bowling. And bowling, <laughs> bowling in a GCA game against Jersey was, you know, it was unheard of to open for spin. I know it started... Yeah. New Zealand, Patel opened the bowling. It was like in those days, unheard of for a spin bowler to open the bowling. So it was quite an interesting, sort of brave move for him, really. It was quite a bit, quite a bit yeah. different. Uh, probably, not, probably, you know? probably massively ahead of, the, ahead of the time as well, because obviously now uh, it's, it's more likely that probably not in 50, because you've been in T20, often a, a spinner does open up. Um, yeah, that's right. It's not a bad idea. I mean, I quite like the ideas. Most yeah. opening batsmen are used to open. You know, against seam and the quick bowlers, they don't, don't tend to like spin too much, so it yeah. takes them out of their comfort zone. I think so. Yeah, so actually, so, something we spoke about um, in the past is you've you've managed to actually play across four decades, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> um, so your first one in in uh, eighty nine, and then your last one I think was two thousand eleven. How did you sort of find the transition from from year to year? You know, it's, it, it must have changed somewhat from from the start to the end. I mean, fielding. Fielding restrictions, you know, the restrictions on the bowlers just ramped up immensely, you know. And it wasn't such a big thing on fielders, fielding so much when I started. But um, obviously going through the years, you know, massive, massive improvement. People a lot fitter, training these days. 
for everything wrapped up. So your memories of Interinsulars, is there any games that really stand out in the memory uh, more than others? Well, debut. I remember, obviously, I remember quite a bit. I remember quite a bit about, about that one. And then, don't try like to remember all the losses we had. That was pretty painful. Especially in those days where you, you sort of only played them once a year. So it was like, you lose against Jersey and Interinsula. You, you couldn't get to play them again, GCA game. And then the following year, it just seems a little bit, tend to play Jersey a little bit more and uh, but the pressure in those days was quite a big a big pressure in those days playing that game you know um, sort of freeze up you saw so many players sort of freeze on the day and you talk about you know you just want to go into a game feeling natural it took a few years before you actually felt comfortable in the Ireland team that you could actually go out and play your natural game so that's when you which is what you want to do yeah losing in 98 was a was a was a hard one to take really you know, we sort of quite a few years we hadn't beaten them, and then Dan Jersey should have won it. We should have won a few games before that as well, but obviously ended up coming away losing when we shouldn't have done. But '98 was a tough one for the wrong reasons. 2004 down Jersey, we won that one. That was um, after losing nine on the bounce, I think. So that was a, a special day to turn up there. And Jersey had a pretty settled side. You know, they had a, a side that just seemed to on the day just seemed to pull it off on the day I and mean, when you get in a when you get in a run like that beating a side you just think to yourself I don't have to do you know you just sort of comes naturally you know chasing the game when you're having once for so many years do get a bit, bit nervy and, and it's easy to sort of not throw it away but a few wickets go down you're sort of panicking in the changing room but the day we beat them in Jersey 2004 we had a settled side sort of match winning side so I remember that one Malaysia obviously yeah the, uh, winning the tournament um, but it's sort of too many games really to think of. Yeah, yeah. What What was your overall record? Play twenty, lost eleven, won nine. So I'd like to at least get it fifty fifty. But yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you said there you played twenty. Were they all consecutive? Uh, I know that Stu mentioned on his uh, episode that he played sixteen consecutively. Sixteen? Is it sixteen? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't mention it enough, <laughs> does he? <laughs> no, no, sixteen, twenty. Yeah, no, I played eighty nine. And then 92 to 95, and then 97 to 2011. So right. when won the first one, then lost to quite a, lost to quite a few after that, and then winning in 2002 and a good you know decent stretch after that really. So once we'd beaten them once, I think we went on five on the I think five on the trot after. Yeah, that. was that when Bigsy was captain? I think he was five from five. I think it was with with Bigsy yeah. as captain. So. He had a pretty impressive record. Yeah. Moving on from sort of the Guernsey jersey stuff, obviously, uh, as time's moved on, we've moved into ICC cricket. Um, you were there from the, from the start. Um, I, I just want to touch on really the world cricket leagues. Um, we sort of got to travel the world there and play cricket, which which must have been fantastic. Yeah, it was amazing, really. We'd just done the sort of... Uh, from going from just going to the UK and, and playing a few sort of friendlies over there pre, you know, before the interinsulars, and suddenly, then we went to Scotland for tournaments, and and then but going on to sort of Singapore and Malaysia and Singapore again, it was amazing really to sort of be away with, yeah, they sort of your mates really, yeah, you sort of, yeah. and we all got on, all got on well to go away on a, on a stage and proper cricket, proper ODI stuff, and the international stage was amazing really. Yeah, some of those grounds we played at in particularly Malaysia were. Were fantastic, like Kim Rara Oval, 
um, biomass, all those sorts of ones. They were like, amazing. yeah, it was, it really, it was really great. I remember sort of getting sort of uh, police escorts to the ground. Yeah. Remember that you get police escorts yeah. to the ground in the mornings and back again, like stuff like that. It's sort of, but, I mean, that um, was also quite strange in itself. The fact that I think we used to leave for games at sort of like seven thirty in the morning because. I think it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. There used to be torrential storms and downpours. So we were starting games of cricket at sort of half nine in the morning to get them finished. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was getting up, you know, we sort, of, sort of joke about going away, but we were sort of stewed up over my roomie, really, you know, top, top, you know, top, top, clock at night, you know, sort of yeah. in, in a party place like Singapore, you had to be pretty disciplined, you know, but we knew we had to be up at half five the next day, go down for breakfast and then catch a coach at, Will Pete would be running down for his breakfast when we're going to the coach, you know. Like, Hurry up, Will. <laughs> and we turn up at the ground for a, for a, you know, the games are starting at like nine, were they? Nine thirty, ten o'clock. Yeah. You do a warm up, but as the tournament went on, a warm up was like where you just turned up at the ground, you were warm enough. But fortunately, with my old body, the temperature out there was lovely and humid, seemed to keep the keep everything yeah. loose. Yeah, amazing grounds, amazing setup. Yeah, so really we, we started off for the, the World Cricket Leagues in, in Guernsey. Uh, so we played World Cricket League 7. I look back through the scorecards, you're pretty impressive figures. You were 10 overs, 2 for 35 against Gibraltar. Um, 9 overs, 2 for 27 against Japan. 10 overs, 1 for 39 against Nigeria. And then you were 2.1 overs, 1 for 5 against Suriname. And then finally, in the final, you were 10 overs, 3 for 39. Um, what are your memories of that first tournament, that the early one on home soil? Was that 2009, you say, against... Yes. Yeah, Bahrain we played in the final. Bahrain. Yeah, that was a, well, that was a great year that year because we, we qualified for Singapore for that. Yes, yeah, that's right. Place, didn't we? Yeah. yeah, I remember quite a bit about that tournament. I remember, like we mentioned, like in the final, playing batting with you and that that big... Yeah. I've never seen that since at the KG5. The swarm of bees just came over. Right. Really surreal. I mean, back then there was more trees at the bottom end. Obviously, there's now a 3G pitch there in AstroTurf. Um, but there yeah. used to be big trees and greenhouses. So, I mean, they probably could have been nesting in a tree there. Yeah, that was a, yeah, that was a good tournament. It's such a, you know, to, that was a start of a rivalry with sort of Bahrain in those days. But win that tournament and know that you're going to be going to Singapore is something like, it was amazing, amazing feeling. And then we played Jersey. We beat Jersey. I think we beat Jersey that year. Yeah, I think. Sure. No, we beat Jersey. Yeah, we beat Jersey that year in the Interinsula. Then yeah. went on to the tournament. You know, so it was a, a fantastic year. So yeah. Um, and then it, after that tournament, obviously you said there we qualified for Singapore. That was a uh, World Cricket League six again. Pretty good figures. You were eight overs, one fifty two versus Singapore. Ten overs, none for forty one versus Bahrain. Seven overs, none for thirty one. And then you were. Uh, I don't know who that one was against but you were then 10 overs 2 for 51 against Botswana did you find a big difference in the standard obviously you didn't take quite as many wickets in, in that tournament um, slightly more expensive if we're being hypercritical but yeah yeah. oh yeah so you sort of when obviously the standard got higher and higher so um, a lot of these teams had you know, the bats used to play spin so they you know they just played you a lot better and you had to be tighter with your tight, a bit more disciplined so didn't take much really to sort of steal off a length really. They sort of made the most of it really. In that then we went, we stayed in that division. So we went back to Singapore for, for, for the next one. Uh, sorry, we, sorry, we went to Malaysia for the next one. You sort of, your role there was really controlling the game in the middle for us. This tournament again was just 
great figures. You were, you were 10 overs, one for 37 against Jersey, 10 overs, two for 22 against Fiji, uh, 8.4 overs, one for 34 against Kuwait, 10 overs, one for 31 against Nigeria, um, and then nine overs, one for 41 against Malaysia. Obviously, it's the exact same tournament as what we played in Singapore, but your figures have, have somewhat improved. It, what did you do to, to change, you know, your, probably the standard of cricket? Was it just that you got used to it or did you bring in any different aspects of your game? I think just get just got used to. It. I did a lot of you know put a lot of, as all the guys did put a lot of training in really and just I, was, I suppose just disciplined and and uh, just concentrated on just doing what I could do really putting the putting the ball up there. If that stupid would probably be shouting down my ear. Don't drag it <laughs> down. So just, I don't know. We just sort of came out. I just managed to put on just put on a line and length really. Just just trained a lot trained a lot harder. Um, I suppose being a bit. Following for a long time, a bit more experience possibly. Um, fielding out the young guys like yourselves and Prithi and Rayburn and whatever, diving around on the field, you know. Lucky that was probably probably a big difference really going through the years as a standard of fielding. You know, you take 15, 15 runs off your bowling figures quite easily yeah. from having a decent fielding, having a decent ring there, you know, just conditions. They weren't favourable for spinners, to be fair. Um, but it was also quite um, enough quite humid so it must be quite slippery in terms of like gripping a ball yeah that's right you had to wipe your hands down a lot it was slippery I'm not sure if that was the tournament where you uh, in the warm-up you dislocated your spinning finger or if that was the time before in in Singapore where you you warming up taking a catch take it on the end of the finger dislocate it and yeah I remember Stu sort of panicking uh, our frontline spinners gone down in the warm-up and he's not only playing the physios come over and said yeah he's completely ruled out to which I think you kindly told him or politely told him that no you're you're fine to play <laughs> probably not in those what words. happened well I remember it that's right in the warm-up dislocating the finger unfortunately Andy we had our physio Andy Rutchford with us at the time and uh Stuart out to toss and my finger was still dislocated at the time or he might have just popped I think I think he was trouble getting the, the finger back in she was walking out. He said, can you play? I said, well, I don't know. I was, if we can get it back in, I'm sure I'm fine. So sort of popped it back in. And uh, it wasn't that bad for that game. But the following day, it was hurting. So I was a digit in the morning. And I said, sore. I managed to yeah. sort of get through. Yeah. Just didn't want to miss games. And I didn't really, probably at the time, I didn't really, uh, but I seemed to ball seemed to follow me around for the rest of that day anyway. Right. <laughs> 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 then we actually, for Guernsey Cricket, went on to record our highest achievement, qualified for World Cricket League 5. Uh, and actually in this one, this was sort of your final tour with us, again in Singapore, but your figures were exceptional in this one. So it's probably your best tournament. You'd, you were 7 overs, 1 for 27 against Singapore, 10 overs, 2 for 25 against Malaysia, 10 overs, 2 for 27 against Cayman Islands. Uh, and then finally in the third and fourth playoff, you're 10 overs, 2 for 29 against Cayman Islands again. That as your last game for Guernsey must have been pretty one emotional and two special right, right from right from the start where you, where you were almost left out by Stu yeah I know I remember that Just good to see your, good to see your roomie sticking with you yeah that's right <laughs> I know that's right I know he's got a right to play like I said but um, was, you know, I knew it was going to be my last game and he said oh, you, you know you might not be playing today and I went oh okay I said I wish you had told me me that if you told me that yesterday, I would have been quite happy, you know. But I was itching to sort of just know that that's going to be my last game today, and um, so fortunately, I got out on the pitch and, and performed like I wanted to, you know. It was it's a bit weird, really, sort of playing cricket all your life for you know, for Cobra and 
Guernsey and suddenly you're thinking, this is it, this is my last game. It was, it was a little yeah. bit, uh, bit emotional walking off at the end, but it was... Uh, yeah, obviously, that, that game, we went right down to the wire as well. I think it was a final ball thriller um, against Cayman Islands where, where Hoops bowled that final over. They always seem to be close games, though. So I don't know why. The, the final, the playoff games, they always seem to be, obviously, that one there, the Malaysia one. Yeah. Um, it always seemed to be, and I think the Singapore one, the first trip, all seemed to be close games, our final games. There's no, obviously no easy ones, but they always seemed to be down the wide games, which we came out of uh, on top most of the time. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, looking at those figures, your figures were exceptional in that tournament. Was it more just a case of you just ready to retire, the, the sort of, uh, obviously, you weren't the youngest. I think you think you were forty-seven when you retired. I think it was so. forty-seven. I know. I can't believe yeah, I was forty-seven. It didn't. I didn't. I didn't feel forty-seven. People keep reminding me I was, but yeah, I'm lucky to play that long. You know, hey, um, just hung in there long enough and performed well enough to be selected. And obviously, it's great to sort of come away and look at my figures and say, well, I performed. You know, and, and uh, yeah, sort of definitely. back it up. Uh, a bit slow to feel. I think Stu was. Having trouble to hide me. Well, I think he said, well, if I bowl 10 overs, that 10 over, he didn't have to think about me because I was always pretty good off my own bowling, much to his annoyance. Is you never chop a catch off your own bowling. I was really good <laughs> off my own bowling. But I think it picked him up a little bit, that sort of hiding me out leg to fine leg. But I was getting a bit tired to do that every every other <laughs> over. So. Yeah. Bowled him! Beautiful bit of bowling from William Peatfield. The stump comes crashing out the ground, and that's a big wicket here in Guernsey versus Denmark at the KG5. That's the first wicket. Letizia is the one who strikes. He gives it a big celebration. He writes it up in a book. He notes it down and sends them off. You can add Manpreet Singh to that list. That's the breakthrough Letizia needed. That's the breakthrough Guernsey needed. And that's the breakthrough that Mark Ladder to my left wants. A big smile on his face. And a wonderful shot there. Cover drive for four. Stokes already finding the boundary twice in this game. Following on from uh, your retirement, you kept your eye on cricket and the game. Uh, you formed a cricket brand called GR7 Cricket, which was bat making. Um, and you also had quite a few pads and gloves, etc., on the market. How was that sort of, you know, making bats for local cricketers? I know that Jamie used them. Uh, he was going to catch yeah. at the time. Yeah, I had a few guys using them. Oh, no, it was I mean, obviously being a carpenter and joiner, it's great to sort of make something like that and um, and see the local guys using them. Um, and it sort of just expanded, really. I sort of did gloves and pads and sort of little French there, a little well, franchise, little business going there. But uh, as things move on, I got busy with other other things and uh, it wasn't so good when the bats broke. You have to have to fix yeah. them. And But yeah, that was good fun. Touch a little bit with the players, but... Uh, it's still there, but I don't, don't do it so much now. I haven't really, really got the time to um, put, put, you know, put time towards it, really. And obviously, having twins is probably taking up enough of your time. Yeah, basically, yeah. You could say that. I haven't got time for anything. You know, it's great. So they've filled a, a big void, actually. You know, I say, you know, they are amazing. But um, giving up cricket after playing all your life, and all of a sudden you're not playing cricket anymore, it's sort of quite... I mean, I play play golf now you know so fills up a few fills up the sat d and stuff like that but you never really replace the sort of camaraderie and the i think most players from any professional amateur the biggest thing they miss is the uh you know, the, the banter with the land pitch you know so yeah that's um, sort of it. the changing room sort of chat 
um you know just just the just the fun you have around the dressing room is always always good yeah but with the twin girls there's no quiet moments that's for sure my day's full (laughs) do you think that could be something going forward which is going to be quite tough you know players obviously having families or other commitments outside of cricket and that's the hardest it's hard to sort of almost do that when you're sort of working you know you're working for a living and uh, so you've got full-time jobs I should say and then you've got to sort of put the hours in to train you know um weekends and evenings it's a huge commitment especially especially now yeah no definitely I think that's that's shown you know Stu mentioned it on, on his episode that it's, it's a young man's game um and that sort of has shown in in terms of our squad at the moment our, our oldest players uh Ollie Newey at 33 um, and then myself at 32, and then below that is that you know there's quite a big jump. I mean, Josh is captain; he's 24. Yeah, I think I think definitely found for me when I was a lot of younger years, you sort of play cricket, and um, you played your season, finishing sort of August September, and that's it. You didn't pick your bat up till March again. You were raring to go. But nowadays, it's sort of all year round, and yeah. it was almost get get to an age where well for me, I, do I miss cricket? Yeah, I miss sort of the fun and the fun a bit but almost felt a little bit cricketed out if you know what I mean yeah no definitely they so much over the years that you almost think well I've had enough I've sort of I've had it almost really what your other interests and other things you want to do but uh, it's it it, it is tough players long now yeah that's that's what it looks like it it looks like players you know sort of um, have a shorter but earlier career probably Um, and then uh, it's good to see the likes of like Stewie still playing a bit of club cricket um, which is which is still good to see those guys coming off the back of Guernsey stuff and still putting their hand into club cricket. TJ's the, the same. TJ Ozani still plays club cricket. Um, Me, yeah. all those sorts of guys. GH. So yeah, it, it is good to see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's certainly not not getting any easier to to keep training and keep playing. Yeah. Me, if, you know, I've, I've got time to do that. It's part of my job, really. <laughs> so yeah, I remember in actually scoring. You talking about the 2009 tournament? We played when we played Bahrain in the final. You got runs that day. I remember we played Gibraltar down at Portsmouth. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And we were chasing quite a few runs that day. Yeah. And uh, I always think of that day. I think Mido actually went out and he smashed a quick, quick 20-yard, I think, if not a lot of balls or else they could have turned us over that day, Gibraltar. And we wouldn't have made the, I don't think we would have made the final. I think somebody else would have picked us to it. I always sort of remember that, that more than anything, really. Sub's got runs. Stewie got some runs. You got some runs that day. Yeah, so, so that was Gibraltar. Fun. Yeah, they posted two twenty-seven. I'm getting up now. Um, which, yeah, which to be completely fair, um, we'd never had sort of like a, a real close game against Gibraltar. We were always sort of pretty dominant against them. And then actually, yeah, we we got we got them. What did we have from there? We had them six down with three balls to spare. So it was quite tight. Um, yeah. Like you said, yeah, Meadsy 19 off 12, Savs 53 off 75, uh, Stewie 45 off 41. So, yeah, it's it, it sort of always, everyone chipped in, actually, in that game. I always think of that game as like, because that was such an important game for us to win. If we hadn't won that, I don't know where, where we'd have been left in the tournament, but if we had lost that game, there would have been, you know, no final in Bahrain, no going to Singapore. So it was quite, yeah. a, quite a big game in that. And, and, and obviously with that becomes, uh, becomes the funding for, for us. So, you know, that. Uh, Pretty much all our funding we put back into to cricket and development, and I know at the moment we're redoing the net facilities at the KG five, um, yeah. stuff like that. You know, we we use the indoor cricket centre, great facility, but obviously that all comes at a cost. So it it does actually help when you're doing well to, to keep that funding. Yeah, 
absolutely. Got to keep things moving forward. Yeah, no, definitely. Something else, which actually you were Stu's funniest story uh, last week, but I don't know if you've, if you've got any funny stories yourselves um, or even something on that, on that story that Stu mentioned himself last week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've got quite a few funny stories. Like he says, not, I can't really mention them all here, but uh, a few funny stories. Yeah, well, I've got a few. I wrote one down. It's like one that was quite funny. There was a guy that played the Salemites called Martin Robert. He's still playing now. And I'll get on well with Martin, but he was very slow at walking off the wicket when he was out, whether he was out or not. He took ages to walk off the wicket. And Mark Caldwell that day said, well, we're playing Sailor Marks. He said, well, what we'll do, we'll play a bit, we'll have a bit of sweet state between us. So he said, everyone's going to have a guess how long it takes to get off the wicket. So we all did a sweep stake. And I went something like three and a half minutes. And I think Colby got him out almost first or second ball, Abbey W. And the umpire gave him out. And he just stood there with his watch with a timer. And he must have taken about three and a half, four minutes to get off the pit. So <laughs> it must have been quite funny. He was looking around what we were doing. We were absolutely howling, you know. So <laughs> things like that. We got to quite a lot in those days. And uh, that was um, one of the funny ones. Going back to Stu, not really on the pitch one, but we were in Singapore. And as you are now, Edward wasn't very old when he was away. <laughs> and he was sort of really touching go whether he could get away or anything. And I always remember we were in the hotel room, we got these cards given, phone cards given to, to phone our loved ones back home. So I done my call. Stu was about to start his call and he starts off saying, hi, okay. And she said something and he goes, I'm absolutely knackered here. <laughs> and I looked at him. I couldn't believe what he said. And he looked at me and he just rolled his eyes. And all the I heard was, I know, I know, it's tough and all this. So, and I said, I'll just leave you to it, mate. And I walked out of the room and gave him half an hour. He was like, he realised what he said, but it was too late. And uh, that was a sort of off-the-field funny one. But yeah, so many funny stories think, on the picture. I'm not sure if that was the same, um, the same trip where his brother managed to get a photo of all of us lying by the pool on the back page of the uh, paper. <laughs> yeah. That was the beauty that was. Yeah, that's right. I remember that picture. I think I think Stewie told his brother off for that one. Yeah, he did. Yeah, raising <laughs> yeah. by the pool, lads. Lads, holiday. Who's the best player you've played with or against? Well, sort of locally, you. you I mean, as Stewie said, with Frithy, I, I can't see anybody further than Frithy. Really, Frithy and Ami, both quality players. I didn't mind so much bowling to Ami, but Frithy was on batsman. I never. I really struggled to. To get a line, Sav as well, obviously a quality player, but Frith especially, especially with his with his lap sweeps and his reverse sweeping, and those spinners don't like that. And Frithy was very good at it, and uh, he sort of played me really well when he when he was playing for Optimus. So I was quite glad he moved to Cobra. I didn't have to bother to him anymore. <laughs> played against a few of the pros that have come over over the years and away when I played, you know, years ago in Australia. But um, Chris Cairns hit the ball for fun. When he when he came over, he played for for knots and yeah, he just smashed you out of the ground really. Um, but you know you expect that from the pro players are playing a different level, so they're gonna they're, they're gonna do that sort of stuff to you. You did a season overseas in Australia. It was just the one you did. Yeah, nineteen eighty seven, eighty eight. It's more like a not like you do go away and designate for a cricket team. I just went there for a sort of work and holiday and joined a, a cricket club over there. But it was played at a different level you probably realize that when you you know when even when you went over a couple of years ago and you've been playing 
and sort of more of a training, you know, you train, I know you train a lot more over here, we did as well, but back in 87, 88, it was like unheard of in Guernsey, you just played your cricket, had a net to the start of the season, played your cricket, week yeah. in, week out, nothing a week. And going to Australia, joining a team there, who's training twice a week, and the intensity of yeah. the games at weekends as well, that really sort of probably toughened me up quite a lot coming back to Guernsey, definitely, yeah. from playing a year there. In, um, uh, yeah, that's, in, that's exactly the same for, for me when I played in Australia. It was, um, I, I mean, actually, Harry Finch mentioned it the other week. Uh, he said, as soon as you take your guard and you sort of say, oh, middle, please, as soon as you start talking, they're on to you. They know exactly who you are. You're the overseas oh. and they just get stuck in straight away, which yeah. actually, to be, to be completely honest, I love it when people give me chat. It actually spurs me on just to sort of prove yeah, wrong here. more. So, um, yeah, when, when they do that, I actually love it a bit more. So, yeah, you know, you sort of... That's right. They love it. Oh, you've got a bloody pummy here. Well, I'm actually from Guernsey, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's exactly what I used to say as well. Yeah, yeah so actually, you're not quite right. Yeah. <laughs> One that we sort of mentioned with Stu again was your sort of the best coach you've ever worked under or been coached by. Yeah, I mean, I mean early days, like you say, um, you know, obviously with my dad and Brian Preston at school, Robin Roussel, and another college master, a guy called Robin Winston around that time as well. He was, um, he was really good. Sort of early years, MEK when he was over. Ralph sort of helped me out a lot, a lot more, especially it's funny thing with Ralph when he sort of when I was sort of settled in the Ireland team and and it wasn't so much of a threat for his place, he was quite helpful. But before that, obviously, he was a little bit nervy that I was going to come in, knock him out, yeah, take his place away from him. But he was really helpful, you know, and indebted um, for Ralph there, really. Obviously, you know, uh, sort of latter years, the sort of coaches that have come over, there's been quite a few over the years that have, that have come over, Pasty and Grubby and yeah, you know Jack Jack Birkenshaw we had for a little while. You know, you sort of you sort of pick up little um little little things from all of them. Really, you don't need to have a sort of. It's great that the, the coaches do change. But you just pick up a little bit from everyone that comes over. You know that, that they always do something in your game as well. So it's quite good yeah. to have different different people coaching you because the same coach, one coach might not pick something up. You know, so. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. There's something else that Guernsey entered, which uh, I don't actually know too much about because it was a, it was a bit before my time. But it was sort of like a European uh, cricket competition. Uh, did you play in any of those? Yeah, they did. I think it was in the press the other day. The Guernsey '91, and I was on the sort of they did a uh, Guernsey did a B side as well, which I played in that. But uh, yeah, the European tournaments. Um, so I didn't play in the one that Guernsey won over here. But I went away, we did, there was another one, which was in Malta. So that was probably our first experience of really going away. Malta for a week, and we won that. So that was quite a good, good tour to go on. Tour, stroke holiday. But um, I think we had to obviously pay for ourselves on that trip. But that was the sort of first early day of actually Guernsey going away and, uh, and winning a tour, you know, playing and winning a tournament. So that was quite... A, yeah, and experience. obviously back then it wasn't ICC tournaments, was it? It was just actually almost friendly competitions. Friendly sort of competition on a matting, on a matting, one matting at the, the Master yeah. Sports Centre in Malta, two games a day, sort of one at nine o'clock in the morning and the host managed to put us on. The first game from landing the night before managed to put us in the first day, first morning. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't go well, down too well, but yeah, that was that was good fun. And you said as well the the uh, A team stuff. So you you played a couple of Guernsey A team games, um, A and Tarantulas, which are a thing of the past now. But yeah, unfortunately, I've managed to play. I think I played in two. Um, yeah. So they were still going. Probably I don't know when that would have been. Probably early 
mid 2000s probably um, yeah mid 2000s stuff those didn't they yeah i played in a few of those i don't i can't remember all you know all of those i played in quite a few of those like Stu was saying they were like any player that had a really good start to the season would normally get involved in that you know if you did well in that game you might you know get a, a good look in at the full island game but like i say years ago it seemed to be quite harder to actually get into a, an island setup. There's not so many, there wasn't so many trial games. Um, you know, the Interinsula was almost a one and only game a season. It was a lot of, put a lot of pressure on you going into that game as well, because you knew you got to wait another year before you got another go. Yeah. Um, and then later on, they started introducing the sort of MCC come over, Hampshire Maniacs. Um, in those days, there was a lot of decent sides used to come over. And so you get more, you had more opportunities. And, um, Obviously, the more you play, the more you got comfortable playing at that level. I find, I must admit, I mean, I played quite a few of my island games and never really felt settled in the side, you know, and comfortable at that level. It's always, you know, a bit nervy and a bit tentative going into them. It wasn't until sort of the later games that you actually felt that you and you're right on the side and you felt comfortable playing at that level. And then you felt relaxed and you start playing like you do at a club level. For your yeah, I, I guess you sort of mentioned it there that. Uh, now you obviously have, um, I mean, we play usually a Holland Day or something like that at the start of the season. You could have four or five games against them over a weekend. Uh, we could have a trip to the UK. I think this summer we plan to play Isle of Man, Italy and possibly even Denmark. So, you know, as a as a squad player, you could potentially be playing five, six, seven, eight games a year before you'd get into a tournament side. So, you know, you, there is a lot more cricket on Ireland, um, which which is actually something Stu mentioned as well. It's sort of driven the the uh, standard higher. It's more of a, like a professional sort of um, outlook on it, uh, which some people do or don't like. I, I know that obviously we've lost a few players out of the game from it, but also I think we've gained a few. The juniors really want it a bit more now. That's right. You need to get your you know you need to play you know your players exposed to the higher level to move forward. You know that's the only way you're going to get better and, and test yourself. So it's quite hard as well sometimes to get the match up right isn't it you uh yeah you know, you exactly yeah played against the academy and you know they're a pretty good bunch and um so you want to be playing teams that are just a bit better than you um uh you know or same as you to get a decent game to get the get the balance right and that's what we i mean it's great to be fair it was great when these you know played against knots and derbyshire it's great to play these sides but they are a little bit you know they're not real that advantage to playing them really it was not doing your game any good because you got when I mean, we played against Derbyshire you're like Devon Malcolm going down the hill on the matting at the KG5 yeah. <laughs> wasn't too clever to be facing him on that you know that's the way you used to have a ridge as well <laughs> yeah that's right and uh, Chris Adams Chris Adams came out and he just smashed us all over the place you know he's just yeah. just games like that and uh that funny moments that sort of we played we went away this was like the um, and Pete Biddemore took over and we went away to Southampton we played like, combined services before the uh, Arling game and um, Gary Tapp had managed to get us a game against a team called Lashings and if you heard of Lashings they, they actually yeah, yeah. get all these players playing for them up in Kent so we in Southampton and I'll cheers Tappy you know we ended up coaching it up there so we rock up there um, right they said we're batting first and uh, they had Herschel Gibbs playing and uh, Stuart Williams. And Stuart Williams played for us West Indies. He scored a ton. Herschel Gibbs was nicked off from Steve Stewie Bisson early on. Pete Benham decided not to give him out, even though he had a big edge <laughs> on the edge of his back. Scored a few runs. 
I'd say that's a test wicket I got. I got Herschel Gibbs out. So it was our turn to bat. Pete Fitzgerald said to me, do you want to bat four today? I thought, not really, but oh, okay. <laughs> so I walked out to bat. And this is it. He's ended up facing Sherb Actor. That was the only time I've really been a little bit, not scared, but I'm thinking this bloke could seriously hurt me here. Yeah, yeah. I think there's four balls. Doggy Yorker out. Threw my bat at one Herschel Gibbs, snuffled it at Golly. Thought, thank God for that. And it was a no ball. And he got me out next ball. I'm not sure if it was his quicker ball or his slower ball to this day, really. But it's games like that. We ended up, you know, we had something like 30 for six. Tappy went in back number seven and eight. Got to 50 or 60 with it, you know. Yeah. After taking the main guys off. So sort of games like that are a bit of a waste of time, really. I'd much rather face, you know, MCC side that come over. That gave us a decent game, you know. Yeah, and obviously uh, in between sort of uh, that time and then us going into ICC stuff, we we played against uh, Namibia, which was a tiny bit before my time. I don't know if you played in that game. Yeah, I played in that game. Yeah, that was good. That was good fun actually. That was a uh, we had them in trouble that day. I think we had them sort of about six down for about ninety on an absolute road, and uh, we thought you know sort of got them here. We've got a bit of trouble here. So I think at that time they were sort of pushing. They're about 12, 13 in the world, I think. Yeah, I think they were playing in World Cups and that back then. They were in World Cups. And these guys came on. And that's the first time I sort of really... I was bowling to one guy. I thought, dot ball, dot ball. Next minute, he just reversed, hit me for two balls and about four runs. I thought, well, we've got some decent guys here, you know. And the number six and eight came in and just smashed us all over the place. So, ended up something like 230 for seven or eight, you know, and... Um, that was the sort of difference in quality, really. They've got a couple of guys down the order coming in that low, and that's yeah. strength and depth. They just took the game away from us, and uh, a couple of quick guys bowling, and a couple of quickies as well. But um, no, that was a good, that was good fun. Games like that were good fun. We played yeah. Kenya as well, and you played Kenya at Hove. Yeah, I played that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and we we also played. I remember playing Bermuda as well, but I don't know if that was a Guernsey game or if that was a GIAAC game. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we we played Bermuda a few times, didn't we? We played them over here, and there was a a trophy for it. We played them in Sussex as well. Yeah, yeah, and, I didn't uh, play the Sussex one. I played the one in Guernsey. I remember playing that one. Um, the big fella playing for him. Yeah, yeah. We had a big fella as well. We had Stu. Yeah, no. <laughs> very similar. <laughs> so finally, to sort of wrap up, I've asked you to come up with your best eleven uh, that you've played with or against. So over to you. Yeah, I mean, I'd sort of, like I say, I've been playing for a long time to pick out an, a, an 11 of players from all those years are pretty tough. But I mean, I'm just going to pick more of a, a, you know, sort of modern day um, sort of team. And like I say, that we had a few players over the years. We used to get quite a few overseas players, which was always great. And in those days, they didn't have to do this qualification. So sort of players that came in early years, Glenn Mills was one. Yeah, player that came in for a couple of years. Obviously, Sabs. Got to put you know Frithy, Annie, Amy in there, Stewie, Stewie Leprevo, and then sort of looking at Hoops. I think Hoops has done really well. You know, sort of him coming in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of he always seems to finish at the top of our wicket taken uh, our economy in any tournament we go to. Um, I think the advantage of Hoops is you know exactly what you're going to get. He's very reliable, particularly with the ball, particularly in the field. It, it, his, his batting is also pretty underrated. He's, he's a good little batter. 
um, yep. which I think he's he's sort of deprived a little bit over the last couple of years to focus more on his bowling, which which is a shame. But um, yeah, he's 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 definitely a a very solid cricketer. Yeah, sort of getting to the bowlers. I mean, Ralph is always Ralph is always there, sort of helping me out. I think he, you know, as a quality left spinner, he's done enough. You know, yeah, top top spin games. You know what he what he did really. Another quickie that came in a few years was Devan Van der Heever. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. So I faced Devan. Uh, he he was he was sharp. Yeah, rapid. Colby in his day, he was, you know, yeah, not naming sort of a particular eleven here. I'm sort of just going through sort of the bowlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, sort of bowled. You know, Colby was bowled without a bit of luck. Really, he seemed to beat the bat a lot, and <laughs> must have yeah too much of it, and didn't get the wickets. I think he deserved, but he was a you know quality player. And then keeping wise, you got like of Furby. Ryan Bishop came in for a year, didn't he? He was quality. Yeah, yeah. Ryan, Ryan Bishop, Bishop was was very good. Uh, I mean, Justin Furbrush as well. He was, in terms of a gloveman, uh, there yeah. hasn't been many better. Um, his only thing was that he didn't really bat. <laughs> he, he was just really... Uh, that's, that's, that's a trouble. He didn't, his batting wasn't quite strong enough to sort of nail himself in the side. If there was another keeper that bat a bit more, a bit like in the 2002, he ended up in... Uh, Ian Damrell played and uh, Furby got left out because they wanted Damrell as an extra batsman, really. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. And then against... Players, it's sort of you know, jersey wise, you got the Carlisle brothers. Simon Short was a quality keeper, and then talking yeah, about keepers, we played against him actually when he was a lot older as well. He, he sort of just played, still played a bit of club cricket, but he pretty yeah. much stood up to anyone. Anyone, that's yeah. right. He stood up, to, you know, he'd stand up to anyone over here. You know, he's quality, you know, quality keeper. But they're sort of the local players. You know, obviously we played against, you know, quite a few sort of. Pros over the years, but yeah, yeah, speak for themselves, really. Yeah, no, and, and also the, the sort of ICC stuff. We've we've obviously played against some very good players, but I, I can't remember who it said. Someone said that you know they're, they're terrible with names. I think it was Stu said, can't remember half the guys that he's played against, but actually, I mean, there was a couple of the Malaysian guys. I remember um, their captain, he was a great player, Suhan or something. Oh, was, but, yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, and the Malaysian guy, wasn't he? He scored, he was a top player as well. and yeah, I can't think of that Singapore lad, like you say. There's a, there's a couple in there, weren't yeah. there? Yeah. Well, no, thanks very much for, for coming on the podcast. Um, great to chat about yeah, your time with Guernsey yeah. Cricket. Uh, it's really it's really actually interesting for someone that's sort of been there right from the start um, of when it got a bit more serious from sort of real amateur cricket to, um, I mean, it still is amateur cricket, but effectively train like semi-pro or professionals at the moment, um, which is, yeah, it's really good. But That's right. Thanks, thanks very much, mate. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Guernsey Cricket Podcast. Remember to hit the subscribe button and stay safe.